Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book. I'm a registered dietitian. Now what? Where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with the awesome Tony Toledo. She's a registered dietitian who always has had a personal connection and relationship with nutrition, starting at a very young age. Her professional life and career in public health has led her to learning and being part of something bigger than she is. She has found a comfy place with her work and life and all that balance, and she is enjoying what she does outside of her job, like speaking, working as an Ascend reviewer, and being a podcast host. Please enjoy my conversation with Tony. Man, this is a weird. <laughs> I know when you're a podcast host and then you become the guest, it's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I have to. This this is going to force me. I have to. I have to let this happen. You know, I, yeah. I'm really good. <laughs> I need to do it, and I'm happy to do it. But I can feel in my body in my heart, in my head, that it's, it is conscious. It's going to be a conscious effort to allow this, this direction of things. Yeah. It's, I know it's kind of like, okay, now you have to like not be in control. (laughs) Got to let it go. (laughs) All right. I think I'm ready. You know, I love roller coasters, so I'm just going to let this equate a roller coaster ride for me. Oh, you do, you do like, do you have, where do you go to, where's your favorite place to go on roller coasters? Oh my God. Well, you know, I guess our whole episode could be about this. I, (laughs) I seek them out everywhere I go and I mean, of course, my favorite is Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk because I grew up here and there's yes. an old rickety wooden one, um, the Big Dipper that is my all time favorite. But honestly, everywhere I go, every chance I get, I mean, when the kids were little, I would go on California screaming all by myself. Like my husband would watch the kids and I would go single rider and just ride it until oh my, my brains fell out. Like I for it and you know we were in Europe my girlfriends and I took a trip to Europe um I don't know maybe eight years ago or so and two of the girls were sisters and they really wanted to go to uh Disney Paris and I was voting thumbs down because I'm a purist and I'm like there's no way I'm going to a Disney in Europe there's no way and it wasn't a great Disney experience, but what I did do was ride every roller coaster all by myself the whole time. Because did you? <laughs> <laughs> you just love them that much. I love them. That's amazing. Have you been to um, Sandusky, Ohio? Have you been to Cedar Point? No, and you're like the third person that's told me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you are a lover of, that's basically what the park is, is just roller coasters. So, I feel like that's that. I mean, it's not the most glamorous place to go. I will tell you that, but <laughs> I've been there. All right. So. I'll put it on my list. Yes. I, the best time to go, I feel like is um, in like after the crazy part of summer, they do what they call hollow weekends. So it's weekends before Halloween and they decorate like the whole park out and Halloween stuff and a lot less people. It's a lot less hot and it's a, it's a really nice time to go. So, mm-hmm. All right. so yeah, love it. Yeah. There you go. 
Okay, well, let's get into chatting about you. I feel like our kind of our relationship has just like been this tumbleweed that's just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger over the last couple months just by us connecting on Instagram with your podcast, my podcast, and then intersecting to this new place where we're going to actually do a presentation together. So I love that we've created this podcast friendship, but also this other friendship that's morphed into just connecting on a different level. And I'm very excited to learn more about you from your professional kind of journey and how you've gotten to be where you are today uh, as a dietitian and just as a human. So why don't you take me back to when you were a little sweet Tony and when did you kind of start learning about dietetics or how did you get interested in the field or what led you to go to school for that? Yeah, I picture, I love the tumbleweed and that is so true. <laughs> you know, it's getting bigger. It is. I mean, pretty soon <laughs> it it's going to be like one of those, um, you know, um, movies where it's taking over like, you know, yeah. <laughs> like this big city with this huge tumbleweed <laughs> starring Morgan Freeman and you know yes, yes of course <laughs> of course <laughs> so it's super fun to think back to it now because you know lately I've been doing more um, speaking engagements talking about you know enlisting dietitians to start podcasts and like you said we'll be doing that together soon but one thing I noticed the very first one I did about a year or so ago, I decided to add an element, which was a little photo of me at, you know, seven years old and tell the story of kind of my first interaction with nutrition. And it was emotional. I mean, it was, it hit a chord that I didn't realize was so powerful and so connected to my whole life that led from that point. And it, it 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 started with I had a vascular disorder when I was like in second grade I think it was and no one could figure out why I had these issues and ultimately the doctor at the time decided it was um, this disorder and he went to the closet or the cabinet in the exam room and just pulled out a tear off sheet that had the list of good foods and bad foods and handed it to my mom and thank God my mom had the wherewithal to interpret that in a way that wasn't charged and binary, you know, what it could have been. Mm-hmm. And my mom, you know, just a little background is my mom is an anomaly. She's 82 and ageless. And a large part of that is that she has always loved sport and always loved working to provide like just a really healthy uh, and flavorful, you know, layout of food for my family. She just was ahead of her time with nutrition and, and even before people called it nutrition, you know, she'd go to the health food stores and she'd look for um, cod liver oil. And, you know, and she was, she was doing all the research when there wasn't any. And, and the goal was healthy family. And, you know, I remember being so upset that I didn't get to have bologna when I was a kid. And, oh, <laughs> you know, um, yes. and even things like we tell my kids, you know, the cereals we had were like Weetabix with maybe some honey. And my mom was super careful for, for, for fiber and nutrition. And, 
So anyhow, that was the backdrop. And I think when that doctor handed her that sheet, she was like, oh, hell no. You know, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> so she made it positive. And so it could have been a, a sentence of, you know, kind of oppressive diet mentality my whole life, but it wasn't. Um, not to say I didn't deal with weight issues, because I did. And even being an athlete, I, I, you know, kind of upped and downed all the time, you know, within a range. But I, I had my issues with weight for my whole life. And really, the most significant, I think, was when I moved to Spain and kind of got off of my routines, you know, of, of eating my normal way and moving my body in a normal way. And I remember coming home at San Francisco airport. And in those days, it was like, um, there was a, a, a area where the people could see their people coming in from customs, you know, from above, it was the mm -hmm. second story, you could peek down and see your family come through after customs and know they had arrived. And, and my parents didn't recognize me. Really? I had gained so much weight living in Spain for a year. I mean, just being off of my normal rhythms. And that bottom line is that it's played a role in my life, nutrition and movement forever. And I, I knew that nutrition was my thing. I just didn't know what facet of nutrition. I didn't know where I was going to land. You know, in college, I thought I'm a square peg in a round hole and I'm not like everybody else because I, I didn't pull toward clinical and I didn't feel like food service was my thing, but I thought there might be a place for me. I think you may have been similar. Yes. Oh, for sure. Like you just kind of think, well, you want to do it, but you're like, where, where is this going to happen or what's going to happen with it? Totally. Yeah. I mean, there were moments when I thought I made a grave mistake, you know, but I, I, I remember when I was very insecure in undergrad thinking there is no way in heck I'm going to get an internship, right? They're highly competitive I wasn't the best student. Um, you know, I had things going for me. I spoke some other languages and I had done some kind of interesting um, thesis work in undergrad at my college. We had a senior project it was essentially a thesis that you did in undergrad. And it kind of got me interested in public health, but it didn't stick really, you know, well at that point. I just had some some facets that were probably somewhat appealing to an internship director. But I really knew it was a roll of the dice. And um, I sent out two applications and this was, you know, in the dark ages. Remember, this was like 19. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, let me pull out my abacus. I have to figure it out. <laughs> it's so long ago. 1990, no, 1991. And two internships, probably not the smartest to only apply to two, but I honestly didn't know what I was doing and mm. sent them out and said, universe, what's it supposed to be? And at the same time, I decided because I'm crazy. I was like, you know, I love gambling. I love Tahoe. I love skiing. I'm going to go see if I can get a job as a blackjack dealer in case the internship doesn't work out. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> no joke. And we drove from my boyfriend at the time drove me from San Luis Obispo, Central California, up to Lake Tahoe, South Lake Tahoe. I had an interview and thank God it was one of my dad's fireman friends. Um, his wife was a pit boss at Harrah's and it was such a lark, right? It was such a lark, but I ended up 
getting the job. If I wanted it, it was mine. And the kooky side of me, which loves the underbelly of casinos and the underworld and all of that, just loves to play cards and gamble and that kind of thing, was secretly hoping I didn't get the internship. Really? Because you were like, I want to do this. <laughs> I wanted to do that. I wanted to live up there, ski, goof around, whatever. But it was almost like, talk about two opposite sides of the spectrum, right? One's total like mm -hmm. town, you know, mayhem. And the other is like super clean dietetic internship, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the straight, the straight and narrow path, like perfectly planned out. <laughs> And so the day I got the letter, because again, we're talking, it was probably delivered by, you know, some sort of bird came to deliver. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking, oh my God, what do I want this to be? What do I want this to be? Right. And I got an internship in Chicago with Heinz VA, which was, you know, amazing experience, brutal and humbling and man, you know, raked across the coals. But uh, in that internship, I found public health. And I was like, thank you, you know, all the gods above. Thank you for allowing me to find something that speaks to me and that I fit in. Yeah, so the rest is history. I mean, I really have just been lucky enough to bounce around in public health, starting with um, some great work in uh, WIC early on, kind of got thrown into a Inter interim director because something happened with our boss. So I was like the youngest. <laughs> oh, wow. That's not intimidating at no. all. <laughs> and good thing I didn't know better, right? Because I was <laughs> totally faking it till I made it. And, you know, the, the again, having the Spanish speaking ability was, you know, huge because it allowed me to work with my clients, my paraprofessionals and, um, you know, allow for the the leadership role. Um, but then I had been, had noticed this woman's name in a ton of articles and um, great research projects that were going on. Her name was Claudia Burnett. So I was in San Jose at this time. I had moved home from Chicago, was in San Jose, uh, working at a local clinic, saw that this woman I had read, so many of her amazing projects was hiring, but it was up in the Solano County area, which is about an hour and a half, two hours from here. And I thought, I need to know, A, who is this person? She's amazing. And B, could I work for her? I don't know. And I went up, you know, interviewed, and she just was this amazing um, kind of multifaceted, super smart dynamo that was, you could fit her in your pocket. She was small, <laughs> but she was huge, right? She could play with the big, big boys and girls and just make things happen. And she had all these innovative programs. And I thought, oh my God, I'm, I'm doing this. So it was the same thing. I'm like, okay, moved up to Solano, had, um, you know, a staff, a small staff. And it was also very humbling because I don't think I was a great manager. You know, I think I really was, you know, ill-prepared for being a good leader at that time. Um, but, you know, muddled through it, learned a lot, grew a lot. And then now you're going to notice the theme because, again, I had heard and read so much about Mary Story, who does a ton of work in public health. And through the journal, you know, she'd pop out in my brain and I just loved all the things she worked on. And one day I noticed that there was a maternal and child health traineeship working under Mary Story. 
Ooh. Oh my God, do I toss my hat in the ring for this? And so I, you know, went back and forth and I applied and was accepted again, wondering how did this happen? And it was moving to Minnesota and <clears throat> I'm like, Oh God, it was about to, you know, get married and, you know, just all these things going on. So I asked my husband to be my, you know, fiance. And, and I said, are you up for the adventure? And he was like, let's do it. And, um, so we deferred my admission for a year, you know, got married and sort of settled in a little bit and then loaded up the truck and moved to, to Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that says a lot about you though. Like you, I mean, you're paying attention to the signs. Do you know what I, I guess that maybe sounds weird, but those signs are happening all the time. And when you feel that tug or when you feel that that inclination to do something, you didn't ignore it. You actually like went for it. Well, the tug is the perfect term. I believe in that wholeheartedly. And I mean, sure, half of it is awareness and interest, you know, because you're already, you know, I was reading Mary Story's work because she was doing work with adolescents and, and um, you know, weight stigma and health promotion programs. And I was sort of enjoying that part of my job at Solano County and thought I could grow and learn more. Plus, of course, I love maternal health. Obviously, that was a big focus area in my public health um, department job. But moving there, it was kind of like, what's going to happen on the other side of this curtain? I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm always surprised because, you know, part of me does this little second guess, like, do I have what it takes, right? So the whole imposter syndrome flows in and out. And then I think I, I think I get, I work hard to get out of my way. So at least I can be a part of the process. And if it works out, it's meant to be, if it doesn't, I'm okay with that. Um, so that's maybe part of it too, but yeah, there's signs. Oh, believe me, I'm a wholehearted sign believer. <laughs> Well, and I, I like how you talk about, you know, like going, that's, I think I feel like as dietitians, and maybe you can speak to this since we're both, you know, not new to the game, but <laughs> I feel like, you know, that's as I think back to my younger years as a dietitian, I never had the confidence of saying, I'm going to go for this. I would see all these opportunities and I'm like, oh my goodness, that looks like amazing, but I'm not smart enough or oh, that could be something I could do. But yeah, there's probably like 16 other people that could do it better than me. So I'm not even going to try. Did you, I mean, like you probably felt like that too, but speaking maybe to our younger dietitians or, our, you know, middle of the road dietitians, like just go for it. If you, if you kind of have an interest, I mean, what's, what can you lose? Yeah. Yeah. I do wish that I, and I, you know, <laughs> if, if some of my friends or family were here, they'd be like, well, what else would she have done? Right. Because like, I wanted to go study in Mexico. I left and found, I found a program that would take me because my college didn't have one. And I wrote to Santa Clara university and said, can I go with you when you go down to Mexico for this you know, uh, cultural um, and language program, and they let me, right? Um, same with Spain. We didn't have uh, um, a, f a foreign exchange program at the time, a study abroad program, so I found one. Cal Poly didn't have it at the time, and I went. And so I think that in hindsight, there were enough biggies of those that I did do, and yet all I can think of was how many little ones didn't I do? So that, yeah, if I was talking to Tony at 20, actually, I'd start earlier. I would look at Tony when she was 15 and 16 and say, 
you know what, don't worry. They don't care that much about what you're doing, you know, meaning other people. If you don't get it right, you don't get it right, but you're out there. And I think that I would have nudged myself to put myself out more. And you're right. It's what comes from it is learning and you know, growing. And I mean, for me, and you and I have this in common, I think is the people, the incredible people you meet. So many people, so many people, like, you can't even probably, I feel like I should have wrote them all down. Don't you? Like, I feel like I miss, I'm missing remembering a lot of them. Right. Cause they're, they're important dots along that, you know, you envision sort of a map of your road and they're, they're dots on that road, not to minimize or discount them, but they've been a part of your journey. And, you know, whether they're people you agreed with, got along with, inspired you or people you struggled with. I mean, I, I was just telling my parents yesterday about one of the hardest experiences I had in my internship where, Anne, I really thought I was, I thought I might have been kicked out. Yeah, really? and it was like the most horrifying experience. And, and I don't even know how it came up with my parents yesterday, but I was sharing something about, oh, a, a guest on our podcast who had her internship at the same place as me, as Hein, in Heinz VA in, in Chicago. And I was kidding, but I said to my parents, yeah, except she was, you know, a, a star, right? You know, she was like, woohoo, they, they all bowed down to her. Me, I'm sure they were like, whew, I'm glad she made it through. <laughs> because I, I, in the middle of it, my grandmother uh, was very, very sick. And so I was coming home to, you know, from Chicago to California and really struggling emotionally and couldn't focus. And then when she passed away, I remember coming back, you know, I, I flew back. It was a gray Chicago day in like, I don't know, March or something. And I couldn't see straight. I was so devastated. And I, the last thing I wanted to do was put work into this really big challenge that I had. And Anne, I remember so vividly being on rounds one day and being queried about a case and I could not, I could not do it. I couldn't bring it up and it was basic, right? It was stuff I should have known back and forth in and out. And I remember the faces of my preceptors thinking like, oh no, oh no, because I was on the brink and you know, now as an Ascend reviewer and I go out to places and I see remediation work that's being done, I now know I was being remediated. You know, I was struggling and they were trying to make sure I could get through the hoops and do a good job. And I relate now to that place, to that person, to that student, to that intern and think, you know, life goes on when you're doing these things. And sometimes you don't know if you're going to get through it. And you know, my parents were staring at me sort of in awe because I don't think they realized how on the cusp I was. But it was a formative experience. And I will always, uh, you know, I wish I guess it didn't happen, but it happened for a reason. Mm-hmm. And those things are happen. They'll happen in your internship. They'll happen in a job. They'll happen in your personal. You like they'll, they'll happen all the time. It's just how you bounce back. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's. It is funny, but I, I do feel like, you know, even going back to Minnesota, I 
the people that I, you know, so I thought I was going to be working with Mary story the whole time because I was one of her maternal and child health trainees, you know, with this fellowship thing. And lo and behold, I ended up working with someone else, Diane Newmark Steiner, who at first I didn't know. I didn't know how we were going to work together because I had sort of come in with this notion that I was going to be Mary's person. And the shift over to Diane, I, it took me a minute to settle in. And you know what? That's where I was supposed to be. I was supposed to be working with her and doing the project she had for me. And I'm sure she looked at me and was like, really? I get this one? You know, too? I don't know. But <laughs> we're still friends. We still connect and collaborate. I mean, I was Jenny and I were out, my podcast host and I were out there in December of last year, uh, 2019, um, at a conference. And it was, you know, another reminder of how that community was an important place for me to be in and her I mean Diane was the person she was my person I was supposed to be working with so you know those left turns and those disappointments initially may just be the way it was supposed to be in the first place I love that and but it's easy to say it <laughs> looking back right so at the time you're like oh let's go what's happening but now you know the lesson you're supposed to learn. And that's, I think that's where the, the magic happens. And if you continue to learn those lessons and apply them where a lot of people maybe struggle to do that or just forget them or don't take them to heart and realize that they're just going to keep coming up in your life and you have to learn yeah. those lessons. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's maybe, maybe you could call it wisdom or perspective. I mean, I feel like I've got a long way to go and I'll be learning until... I go away, <laughs> but, but which you should be right. That's what yeah, you should true, be doing. But it is interesting perspective now. And like I say, you know, you and I've talked about this too, that if we could encourage other people to um, go out and get out of their comfort zone and pivot when those things come that seem like a, a, a detour, you know, or a detour, right. To turn into something that's a road, mm -hmm you were supposed to be on. Um, it's so interesting. It's really interesting. And so your public health career, um, I, obviously you moved back. You didn't stay in Minnesota forever. <laughs> so when, when, after you did your training and kind of did that, where did that lead you the next place in your path of your profession? Yeah. So actually when the MPH, the Masters of Public Health was done. Um, my, again, Diane, Mark Steiner said, hey, Tony, do you want to stay and do this adolescent health fellowship? And part of me was like, I'm out, you know, because I moved back home to <laughs> California and get our lives going back here. But she said, listen, this is quite an experience. And it was an interdisciplinary fellowship um, with the School of Medicine. And we had everybody on there, like nursing, psychiatry, psychology, um, medicine. Oh my God, dietitians. We had everything. And it was this group that worked quite collaboratively on case studies and presentations. And it was way out of my comfort zone. Like I felt like I was at the big kid table and it freaked me out. Um, but all that to say that it was also very formative and it connected me to some uh, people out here. And so I came back when we did move home, I got a job at Stanford in their Center for Research and Disease Prevention, doing, you know, research associate, uh, research assistant type work in communities, again, using my Spanish, using motivational interviewing and testing out uh, 
education programs and models for behavior change. And honestly, the, the work itself was really fascinating, a lot of program development and, again, interdisciplinary. But it wasn't like I could feel at my gut level after a while. The place, Not this is not to speak of Stanford per se. It was just kind of the little area I was in. It didn't fit. Something about it didn't fit right. And this was a um, gut kind of um, visceral thing for me more than um, intellectual. And I had to step out and say, is this where I need to be right now? Is this the best place for me? And the answer was no. So I I was sad to leave because it's a great institution and, and a lot of great work was done, but it was a matter of fit. And so I left. It was fine. I found this job that I was like, oh, my goodness, this look, looks and feels like me more. And I just kind of transitioned over to that and have been there for 20 years. <laughs> wow. Well, that was the right move. <laughs> totally. Right. I mean, it was crazy. And, and I think what, what it was was that it was a, an ability to work with folks long term on behavior change and really looking at how do you lay down foundations for a lifestyle change that can last forever. And that continuity of care was just such a gift because we don't get that a lot in some of the places we get to work as dietitians. So I felt like I had landed in Clover and I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. Never thinking it would be 20 years at all. But, um, you know, I, I knew I could work part time if I wanted to. And we were deciding if we wanted to have kids. And, and lo and behold, it was a great opportunity to keep like a part time job, doing something I love and allowing for, you know, working in my kids schools and doing special projects and in collaborating with other people, which, you know, ultimately now has given rise to working with Ascend and the, you know, adult weight management training program with CDR, the podcast, there wouldn't have been room for those things if I didn't have the ability to be a part-time clinician, right? So again, hindsight, that's kind of what that was supposed to be, I think. Well, and I think like when you think about that whole like work-life balance thing, I mean, obviously, there is, we, and we talked about this and when I did my podcast with you is like finding that job that allows you to still pursue other things that you're interested in, or maybe you didn't even know you were interested in yet. And then being with your family and then lending yourself to doing projects that you didn't know you were interested in. But I mean, maybe talk a little bit about that, like how accepting a job that maybe you know, feels good, but it's not like that full-time all-out dietitian job that we all kind of think we, we, we need, but it how it can create so much other fulfilling things. Yeah. I mean, I guess the word I would use is space because it did allow for space for whatever needed to be there at the time, whether it was, sorry, I have to let my dog out. That's okay. <laughs> um, whether it was, you know, space for, like at the time working in my kids' schools, but, you know, again, I was teaching nutrition and cooking classes and things like that. So I was able to manipulate that, but connecting to people that way, um, you know, I always keep one eye on the literature, which, you know, allows me to connect with what's going on in, in, in academia and different programs that the, you know, the Dietetic, um, Nutrition and Dietetics Association and so I try to keep one eye on that, but really it's, to me, it's more about people and who shows up 
and starting conversations and noticing, you know, and, and really trying to understand, is this a connection that will lead to some learning, growing some collaboration? And I guess partly because I'm not always looking at money-making opportunities, you know, I'm mostly looking at life building opportunities that those have turned into there's, there's just a natural feel to them, which doesn't feel pressure of a, a fee or a paycheck or a, you know, a consulting kind of thing. I don't know if that makes sense, but I wonder if that has led to that. Right. I, I kind of feel like they're, when you're not seeking out the paycheck sometimes that it, it will lead to money or maybe other things in different ways and much more fulfilling and much more rewarding and much more like making you a millionaire <laughs> of the heart than maybe a millionaire in the yeah. bank, I guess. I like that. Process. I like that. And you and I have in common, and now I have a term for it since you were on our pod, but the heartbeats thing, you know, really it's about the people and it's about how you grow and connect and, you know, the potential when you collaborate with people is, it, it's it's like you just don't know when you add A plus B what C is going to be. And sometimes C is so much more than you could have ever imagined when you look at the face value of like, for example, with Jenny and I, I knew we love each other, my co-host as like sisters almost, right? But what was this thing going to be like, this podcast? What the unknown that, that was uh, awaiting us and... It's kind of like that with people, I think, sometimes, because, I mean, for the the adult weight management training program, again, and honestly, I don't know why I do these things sometimes, but I'm like, I'm, I'm applying, I'm <laughs> applying, and I'm sure my husband's like, what are you applying for now, you know, and it was this rigor, <laughs> the rigor of that thing was, I mean, I imagine some people just gave up, because there were so many stages of it, and by the end of it, I went, well, when I first started, I thought, well, let's see. Well, by like level six of, of recruit, you know, recruitment and um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what's the process? You know, you're kind of going through one level, the next level. By the end, I was like, dang it, I better get this because I feel like I have so much blood, sweat and tears involved. But I mean, when I see myself now, presenting and collaborating with these people who, you know, I see they're kind of on my Mount Rushmore. They're really out there, super accomplished. And I get to be in the room. I get to participate and contribute. And that occasionally is an outside of my body moment where I'm like, I'm here. This is nuts. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful. And I'm I'm super proud that I get to add something to it, some little essence. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's an honor. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and then you kind of like pinch yourself. You're like, Oh my gosh, I did all these things to get here. And this is yeah, really cool. Yeah. I mean, for that matter, I feel that way about the podcast panel we're going to be on. I feel like, wait a sec. What? Okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Well, and maybe, you know, speaking of podcasts, so maybe talk to me about how you and Jenny came up with a, you know, when did you decide that a podcast was something that you wanted to do? How did you 
get to the point that you're going to do it? Kind of maybe share that <laughs> process. It's pretty funny. It's it's a windy road, and it's no surprise that with our name of path, that our path was kind of quirky, like we are. Um, Jenny and I are out mm-hmm. as far as quirkiness. We've got it going on. And um, so she and I worked together like close to 20 years ago. And from the minute we met, we were just, we were, we knew we were each other's people, right? And when she got scooped up and had to move back to Columbus, Ohio, it was heartbreaking, but we fostered that friendship over the years and really helped each other through uh, life stuff, you know, as we went over the distance to keep this friendship alive. And I'd say the last maybe seven or eight years, maybe seven years, a lot of our conversations would have to do with things we learned on podcasts. We learned so much through similar Mm -hmm. podcasts, completely different podcasts and our conversations started to um, surround themselves with elements of things that we learned in podcasts. So we were junkies and um, it was my 50th (laughs) birthday and we were up in San Francisco. Jenny flew out and a couple other dear friends came from other parts of uh, California and Jenny was the first one there. And we just were walking the streets of San Francisco talking and talking about our work and how much we love what we do, but that we just weren't reaching as many people as we wanted to and how we worried about people who are siloed, who didn't get information. And then it was almost like the things got combined. And I think Jenny was just like, we need to do a podcast. And I was like, you're funny. And um, (laughs) yeah, so she planted the seed and I, I pushed back. It was a hard pass for me for, quite a while and she was patient and uh, encouraged me and kept the conversation going. And finally it was obvious that this thing was gonna happen. And we just scared to death cause we were, you know, I was 50, she was just about to turn 50 and we have zero tech abilities and no knowledge of how to build a podcast. And it was like, we're doing this. We are gonna scrap and figure it out. And we're coming on three years of doing it. And it's been one of the best blessings of my life. Oh my gosh. Now see, not that I know you both very well, but I would have guessed you were the one that would push the podcast and not Jenny. I'm really surprised. She's a sleeper. I'm telling you. (laughs) She's very, you know, she has that little Zen uh kind of like sheepish little thing about her but she means biz and and she knows she knows me she knows my funny little quirks and my um little oddities and she knows where my strengths lie too and so she she kind of knows how to get there and being patient was a big part of it she had to let me work through all of my stuff to say yes and then one day i was sitting on the couch and i said oh my gosh we are doing this. And she's like, it's about damn time. You know, like, (laughs) (laughs) it is a lot to wrap your head around though. You know, like you said, like when you're not like a techie person (laughs) and the commitment level and, you know, putting yourself out there, I think in a different way as a, a professional and just as a person and sharing parts about your own self in a different way, it's kind of scary. It's kind of intimidating. And again, the the you know because you've been on the ride way before us that that it has its share of bumps in the road and the payoff is huge right it's a huge payoff 
personally, professionally, all of that. But it's no joke. Like the commitment level to do one you can be proud of, I guess, is where, it, you know, we committed to just being us, not try to be anybody else, not try to polish up and be perfect. It was going to be us, you know, faults and foibles front, right? That's okay. Yet we wanted quality, high caliber. We wanted it to mean something. We wanted to build a community. All those things were there. So, you know, you put your chips in. Yeah, you've, you've done it. Sure. You've been, you've done it and you laid the groundwork for a lot of us. So, you know. Well, and I, I, I like that. Um, I like that you, when you decided to do it, you were just going to be you and not fit a mold or not fit a certain thing that was happening in the dietetics place or happening in the podcast place or happening that's trendy, basically. I think it's great that you just said, this is what it's going to be and yeah. this is how we're going to do it. Well, that it. was critical. I think at this stage in the game for, you know, we call ourselves a little old gals, but, you know, we, we have families, we have jobs, we have partners, you know, we have lives that are um, already kind of burgeoning in responsibilities that if this thing was going to happen, it had to be a net positive and we had to manage it. Like, like just this last weekend, we were going to do an episode, a topic we really wanted to explore for our behavior change basics uh, series. And we showed up on Sunday. All we had to do was look each other in the eye and know today's not the day. We didn't have it in the tank. And what were we going to do? Force ourselves to do it. We had to step away. And, you know, some days she's talking me off the ledge. Some days it's the vice versa. But, you know, we have to allow for life to be first, family to be first. And then this beautiful gift sort of comes in line. And I, lo I love that. That's that just like makes my heart happy hearing how you just so eloquently put that about how life happens and that needs to come first. And there's days that, no, this isn't, this schedule is not going to work. And that is, totally well, I don't know how you do it on your own, to be honest with you. I feel in awe because I need the back. I need that buttress. Jenny's my buttress. A lot of the time I need the sounding board. I need all that. And you, you, you know, so many of you who do podcasts run the show. And I feel like that seems seems like a lot. I'm not sure I'm built for that. And that's good though. You know what I feel like? That's a good thing though, to realize you need a partner in this endeavor. You need someone to, to be that person for you to make this successful. And if you probably did it on your own, it wouldn't be what it is, you know? So that's good yeah, that you I know suppose. that. Yeah. I mean, well said. <laughs> well, I will, I will say I had no idea your podcast existed until like the middle of 2020. And it makes me sad that I didn't know it existed because it's amazing. And you and Jenny have such a great concept. It's just the people that you interview are just so, I mean, there's just so much about them that makes you just feel like, you know, them at the end of your conversation with them. And it's, I, it's one of my favorite things that I listen to when I go on a walk and it's just like Zen for me. So thank wow. you for putting yeah, that I'm, I'm glad this is audio only because I've got like that face, that face, I, that face I had when you and I and Jenny spoke the other day, when we got to that, 
really emotional spot, right? Where it was all flush and my lips were perfect. Because truly that is, <clears throat> to have, have folks feel that way is one thing, you know, it means a whole lot. But to have the layer, Anne, of you knowing what goes into this, of you being from a similar background and um, the same profession, there's a lot that just, you just checked a lot of boxes for things that we'd hoped for with the most important one being enjoyment and for you to feel connected and that it's real, truly that that's priceless right there. Well, and I think the connect to have a connection that you can reach over a podcast that I, I've listened like you, you're a podcast <laughs> junkie. I'm a podcast junkie too. Like, I have probably listened and stopped listening to more than I can tell you a podcast <laughs> because you don't, I, I stopped listening because I don't feel a connection or it's just, and I'm, I'm so grateful there are so many options out there, but you can just tell the people that put their heart into a podcast versus the ones that just do it for, I don't know why, you know, like you just, you're like, why are you even doing this podcast? Like I think of that sometimes when I listen to stuff, but so that definitely, I know that your both of your hearts are in your podcast, and and that's why I think it's one of those that I just really so resonate much. with. Yes. Well, I also would like to know. I mean, podcast. I feel like that's going to keep continuing. You both are still like this is going to keep happening, and it's not going to go away anytime soon. I hope not. I. Gosh, we we just talked okay. about this the other day because we have. We do have other facets of things that we'd like to branch out. We had big plans in 2020, but of course they're like everyone else, they got changed and, and we pivoted and we have, mm -hmm. you know, we have no regrets for any of that, of course, but we have things that we are excited about building, launching, creating in the future. And you can bet we're going to tap your shoulder because of who you are. And um, yeah, so there's lots to come. But in the meantime, the journey has been so fulfilling that I just don't see it. I knock on wood that I don't see it stopping anytime soon. Good. I'm so glad. And I, is there anything that you want to share with the listeners of maybe what you do have on the horizon or is it still kind of, Oh, I mean, there's nothing secret the about it, but of course, <laughs> I mean, one of the things that we have loved so much and I, I hope and pray continues is being able to spread the word about how important it is that more dietitians get out in the podcast world. And, you know, I'm, I'm presenting all over right now, like, it's so fun. I just am so excited. I mean, from coast to coast, like there's one in Maryland coming up and then there's California. I got kind of both Ooh. coasts going, the thing you and I are doing. And it's, it's so fun to see that grow. So I would love for more speaking engagements. I'm talking to universities and, you know, connecting and sharing with students. So I want to keep fostering that. And Jenny's great at that too. Um, but we had on the, the, the calendar, to have a retreat um, in 2020. And that was just going to be kind of a, a weekend where, you know, Jenny's a yogi and, you know, we could do cooking demonstrations and we could have conversations yeah. and, you know, do all sorts of activities. And, and we thought a friend of mine has a place up in Northern California that's an event center that's very, you know, grassroots and earthy and beautiful. And so we were swirling all these ideas around those all now have pins in them because, you know, we have to wait, but 
that is something we can't wait to do to, to gather in person. Sounds so great. So we'll see. We'll see. But that's just one of the things that is um, on the horizon that will happen. It's just a matter of when. Oh, I love it. I hope I can attend. I would love to come to something like that. Like, I feel like those are, you know, I love things that I can learn from as far as like dietitian nerd stuff, but I feel like I learn more from those kind of um, retreats than I do probably from, not that Fancy isn't bad. I love Fancy and I love like our state organization, but I guess maybe it's my age, but I'm looking for something different, like something more like life related. Absolutely. And I think that's what we envision, you know, when you think about that sort of that nourishing of the soul, of course, with, with nourishing the body and mind, all of it. And, and what does that look like? So the connection piece being Mm -hmm. at the heart of it all. um, And since, you know, there was a full stop on that, we, we haven't done much lately, but we will resume when, when those stars align again. Oh, that's exciting. And I love that you're presenting. I think that's, did that something, was that something that you always set out to do? Or is it something that kind of fell in your lap again? Or how did you kind of get on this, you know, speaking kind of engagement? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It was a reignite. I got reignited because in my graduate program, I was doing a lot of that. In fact, that's one thing Diane did was like, you you need to do this. We need to do that. And I was like, no, because I didn't feel comfortable, but then I realized I always <laughs> enjoyed it. And so now having the opportunity to share the experience of podcasting and hopefully encourage and inspire others to do it. Um, you know, I want to say the first one was when my old boss, um, my former boss said, Hey, they're doing this thing up in San Francisco, you should, you know, again, see if they want you to come talk about podcasting it. And same thing, no surprise. I was like, I don't know, but okay. And that's where I got to meet um, <laughs> Stacy Dunn Emke, who you've on your show, and a myriad yes. other amazing people. But that kind of got me into it again, and I got the bug. And then uh, other opportunities surfaced, and they have been coming since, and it has turned into something that's just fueling me at the same time that I feel like I'm connecting with other potential. Because po- what we need is evidence-based, you know, nutrition professionals out there filling this space in whatever niche is their jam, get in there and do your stuff. Because, again, even if you see someone else who does that same work, they're not you. You know, you bring your spin with your life experience and your perspective and your personality. And I think that's huge because you're going to resonate. Like you said, you pick up, turn off certain podcasts you don't listen to. Well, someone else is going to turn on that same one and go, where's this person been all my life? Right. Because they connect in a different way. So Mm -hmm. I don't want anyone to feel like there's not space for them. There's space for all of us. Right. Right. And I think that I I love that you're taking this on the road and doing that and finding that passion because, you know, just like being a dietitian, we probably feel like there isn't space for us for a job or for our knowledge somewhere, but that podcast space, I mean, think of all the nutrition noise out there or just think about all the noise out there that you can slide into and 
you know, be that person, <laughs> like be the one that someone's like, where have you been all my life? I've, I've needed you. And I can see, I feel like you speaking, like you're, I don't know, there's something about your voice and how you just, I don't know. Like I would, if I was listening to you speak, I would just be mesmerized, I think. Cause I just, you just like are like a lullaby or something. I don't know. You just oh have that gosh. thing. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> you do. I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not just sugarcoating you right now. I really believe that about. Well, thank you. I love it. And I love the opportunity when it comes, I still get butterflies every time, you know? Oh my goodness. I, do uh, you? <laughs> I, I try to find something to, to make me um, kind of comfortable when I, like I just did one of, I don't know, a month or so ago for the, uh, the CDR adult weight management group. And I was like, Oh no, it's virtual. I don't get to feed off the human faces. That's a big, that's a big thing for me. I feel like that's mm. my, my jam is when I'm in person. So I miss the, the vibe and the, you know, I'm, I'm Italian. Yes. So there's a gesticulating and my eyebrows are bouncing around. I mean, it's like a whole lot going on, but I have embraced that <laughs> who I am, but I thought, Oh no, here's going to, it was like 200 and something people on this presentation. And I thought, Oh, how's this going to go? And so I went into my, um, my closet and I pulled out no joke. And I wear a lot of like grayscale. I love black. I love gray. I love white I'm kind of basic with colors. I have a few mm. pop out colors for presentations. I grabbed the most purple dress you've ever seen. And I, I put it on granted. They were only going to see me, you know, from the <laughs> neck up, let's say, but it was purple. And I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to out myself <laughs> as my big Donny Osmond fan right now. So I thought whoever gets it gets it, who doesn't doesn't. And I'm not kidding you. In the evaluations, people went nuts for the purple Donny Osmond comment. And I thought, okay, you just need to be you. Just be you. Don't don't worry so much. Right. Even on yeah. even virtually, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> It is different presenting virtually though. I'm with you on that. Like that's, I'm like you, I feed off the people and that is just another level. So maybe we need a class on that. Like how to do presentations virtually that are stimulating Amen. for you and your listeners, attendees. <laughs> well, it's good to know too that you get nervous. And I think, you know, anything that you're doing where you're putting yourself out there, if you don't get nervous, <laughs> then you, you, there's something wrong. I don't know. Do you feel that way? Like, I feel like you need to have some type of level of excitement or, you know, nervous. Right. Oh, and, and I feel the, the right performance, place. you know, a buzz. I, I definitely feel that performance buzz. Like it reminds me of, you know, the sports I played in my life, standing on the block, getting ready to, you know, go into a swimming um, heat or whatever, you know, like it's, it's that thing that rises me to the occasion and I, I love it and hate it at the same time, but it's, it's part of this journey for me. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I just, now I get to know a little bit more about you and how you are just kind of the way that you are. And that's, it's Aww, great to know that you. where all this comes from. <laughs> well, you've answered a lot of my hard questions and some easy ones. Do you, are you, are you ready for my like speed round? Yes, you can't see me, but I'm stretching. Questions? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, good. Good. I like it. Okay. Why don't you share with me some, some well, that lady who I told you about my mom, um, 
had this recipe for something called meatless yes. meatloaf. When I was a kid, I hated it. Now it is my favorite food and it's basically <laughs> all sorts of veggies and um, walnuts and some mozzarella cheese and garlic and onions and it's baked into a loaf and my children make fun of me because I will eat that. I, if I could, I'd have it for breakfast, lunch and dinner. I love it so much. Um, and so meatless meatloaf, the weirdest combination of words put together is um, my number one food. Cause even the whole question <laughs> of what's if there's only one food you could have, that would be it. But right behind it would be yes, a little cookie waving at me. Cause I love cookies. That's like my kryptonite a hundred percent. Do you, is there a I certain really like, type of cookie um, like or just chocolate any chip cookie? butterscotch? That's sort of it. Yeah. Oh, do you make those? My mom you, does I, I'm, make your mom make My daughter them? makes killer cookies. Um, yeah. I'm not a baker because I don't like to measure things. So uh, everyone else in the family is yes. good at them. I'm good at eating <laughs> them. I'm making them, make them go away. Good. Good. I like that you may have someone else make them for you. That's great. <laughs> and I love that the meatless meatloaf was something you did not like growing up. And now it's your favorite. I'm sure your mother like sits back and well, just like, you yeah, know, your friend, Jenny, uh, my podcast host, <laughs> it, it made the great uh, revelation once that, that she thinks meatless meatloaf is, is a great metaphor for our podcast because it's healthy and nourishing and, you know, just kind of like, Oh my God. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's one thing that she always, you know, enjoyed when mm -hmm. she comes stay with me, she'd have me meatloaf, and, you know, it's like this whole funny little, <laughs> she did a great blog on it. I'll have to send it to you. She did. Do I would love to read that. Huh? I'll think of that next time too. when I listen to your podcast. Uh, well, the PG version is coffee. I love coffee. I, I um, <laughs> live for my coffee. And I really love a good Manhattan or uh, like a seven and seven. I'm kind of a oh. funny person when it comes to the cocktail, but those two will always find a, I'll find a place for them many times. That's funny. My parents loved Manhattans growing up. I just remember that would be like Aww. a really special occasion when they would make Manhattans. So, <laughs> yeah. So I let, I can smell them. Like I, and I, yeah, I just know exactly it, it, they're delicious. So it reminds me of my family. Again, um, you are probably picking up that, that I am a walking contradiction because everything I do is one side or the other. I love citrus. <laughs> like give me citrus. I have a, a little essential oil right here at my computer that's um, a citrus oil that I love, but I also love like patchouli. I love that earthy kind of harkens to the hippie days, you know, growing up. And so, yes, yeah, that's actually yeah. college. Does it remind you of college? <laughs> yes, me too. Totally. Uh huh. <laughs> that's funny. Oh. Um, what would you do? Professionally or not professionally, oh if you were gollies. not. Okay. Well, I would have to say, and this is going to sound so funny, but one of my favorite jobs ever was being a waitress. I loved being a waitress. I couldn't believe I got paid for being a waitress. It was such a fun experience. Um, again, it's people, right? It's people. And um, so part of me says that the other mm -hmm. wouldn't be surprised if I ended up 
as a therapist or a psychologist, um, psychiatrist, maybe only because I'm so fascinated by mm. the brain and human behavior. Um, and then again, remember back there is my whole, um, Yes, you're <laughs> no joke. No Black joke. And there are times I have one friend that I love gambling with. She's kind of a high roller and I just sort of walk around and, you know, do my little stuff. But when we get playing, one Hang of my out. favorite things is either like <laughs> pie gal poker, pie gal poker or three card poker. And it's because it's I sit at a table. Yes, I like the thrill of the game. But more than anything else, I love watching the humans. Right. It's such an interesting part of the world and mm. so you know it's a it's a creepy little peek into what gets me interested but i again it's it's just the spectrum of things that interest me but it all is connected through humans that says a lot about you though i mean it's not in a bad way like i don't i totally get what you see when you're going to that's because <laughs> if i go to a casino i don't really gamble i just watch people that's why i go there <laughs> for sure. So I totally get that angle. And you're definitely one of those people that would thrive in any environment because I you just get that energy. Good. Well you. said. Yes, I think so. <laughs> and I mean, finally, there's just what one word in that family. Um, and I know you and I have that in common. It's, it's, you know, the biggest gift of my life has been my family both ahead of me and, you know, now my kids. And, um, you know, I even think my, my community, my neighbors, my friends, you know, like Jenny's a great example. She's not just a friend, she's family. Um, I, I have friends who play both roles mm -hmm. uh, of friends and family, but I think that that term is not limited to people I'm related to by blood. Heartbeats, Anne. Those heartbeats. Yes, those heartbeats, they come in all shapes and sizes, yeah. blood-related, not blood-related. I'm amazing. getting shirts made for us. For all <laughs> <laughs> we should. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your journey so far. I know there's lots of fantastic things ahead for you, and I can't wait to have a tiny little glimpse of it from the outside looking in and I feel very oh, lucky. Likewise. In fact, the only thing I would you. argue is that it's not going to be from the outside. I think, I think this is forged and I feel we are connected and I threaten you that you haven't gotten rid of me, <laughs> but I, I feel it in all the best ways that there is a connection and I'm equally as thrilled and I feel blessed to have had this connection and know it will continue. I truly believe Tony is an amazing human. I'm very grateful to have met her. I love her honesty about her journey into dietetics, taking us back to that personal place for her, and also her honesty about finding her place in the field of dietetics. Sometimes it takes a while for us to find that place, and that's okay. It doesn't have to happen right away. Having experiences and paying attention to all the tugs will help get us where we need to be. And Tony really shared what that has done for her. If you haven't listened to her and Jenny's podcast yet, Path, Positive Approaches to Health, it truly is a great listen. And you can find all of their episodes on their website, thepathpod.com. It's also connected in the show notes. So make sure to give it a listen. 
Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters. 